From API, this is Energy Tomorrow Radio, your source for information and conversation about the most important energy issues of the day. I'm your host, John Bisney. My guests today are API Chief Economist John Felmy and API's Upstream Coordinator Lisa Flavin, and we're discussing a very important aspect of our national energy policy, getting access to our own domestic reserves of oil and natural gas to help improve our energy security. Lisa, let me start with you. How much oil and natural gas is there yet to be produced right here in the United States, and where is it? The government estimates that there are billions of barrels of oil and trillions of cubic feet of natural gas here in the United States, which is enough to power millions of cars and heat millions of homes for many, many years. That oil and gas is located off Alaska in the Gulf of Mexico in the Rockies, and there are large deposits both in the Atlantic and the Pacific. Now, it sounds like if that were available, it would be pretty darn helpful in meeting our energy needs and would replace some of the oil, at least, that we import right now. Yes, that's correct. And as a matter of fact, some of it is off limits to um, our oil and gas industry. Um, The industry is operating very heavily right now in the Gulf of Mexico and Alaska, but doesn't have access to the Atlantic or the Pacific because of government regulation. All right, now, John Felmy, we import about 60% of our oil today. Would this help our economy? What would the effect be if we could produce more oil domestically? If we could produce more oil domestically, it could generate a significant number of jobs and reduce our trade deficit. For example, a recent study uh, indicated that uh, we had an action by Congress in the mid-90s that has stimulated production of oil in the deepwater gulf and will lead to increases in hundreds of thousands of jobs and billions of dollars of revenue for the federal government. So it would certainly help in terms of economic activity, in terms of our trade balance, and in terms of our energy security. So this would be a good thing, but Lisa, as you mentioned a minute ago, there are certain hurdles or impediments. Uh, You touched on this briefly. Give us a little bit more detail as to uh, what the hurdles or the barriers are to increasing our domestic production. Well, back in the 90s, uh, the first President Bush put a moratoria or signed an executive order to put uh, the Atlantic and the Pacific coast both off limits to oil and um, gas exploration and production. And that was renewed by President Clinton, extended until 2012. So right now, the industry is very much concentrated, as I said before, in Alaska and the Gulf because they don't have access to those other areas. The industry is going to go where their resources are, and obviously there are in Alaska and the Gulf, but there are also resources in the Atlantic and Pacific. And um, in order to get to those, the President and the Congress currently right now have to lift those restrictions. Now, this is just not offshore, too. There's gas and oil under some federal lands, and uh, are there must be some restrictions there, I suppose, to get that uh, stuff out. There's significant quantities of oil and gas uh, in the Rockies, and uh, particularly in certain areas of Wyoming and uh, Colorado. Those resources could significantly help boost our domestic energy production if there weren't severe restrictions put on those. For instance, there are wildlife restrictions. There are different times of the year that the industry is allowed to go out there. So we do that, and we do it in an environmentally sensitive manner, but it can be a difficult challenge to get the oil and gas to market quickly facing those restrictions. And as I understand it, we're not talking here about uh, 
pristine national park land. We're talking about land that is often used for other purposes, a uh, uh, mining, ranching, that sort of thing. Is that right? That's correct, yes. You mentioned that Congress uh, needs to lift some of these restrictions. There was a vote in Congress um, pretty recently, uh, wasn't there, to open some additional offshore areas to exploration and production? Yes, that was the um, the Gulf of Mexico Energy Security Act passed last year by Congress, which opened 8.3 million acres of offshore lands in the Gulf of Mexico. And um, the federal government estimates that those resources available out there are enough to heat and cool over 6 million homes for nearly 15 years. So this was a very significant bill for the industry and for the American public, the consumer. Yeah, that was a very positive move. On the other hand, I know that there have been efforts to uh, open some of the Atlantic seaboard off uh, the North Carolina coast, the Carolinas, that area, Virginia perhaps, to some of this too, and those efforts have really not gone very far. Yes, that's correct. The the Department of Interior has proposed um, for their next five-year plan holding a lease sale or holding a sale of oil and gas resources in 2011 off the coast of Virginia. Virginia has shown an interest in drilling off their coast. They understand the need for more oil and natural gas in particular. So this is this is a significant move um, in that direction, although that could not occur without a presidential and a congressional moratoria being lifted. John Felmy, talk a little bit about, if you would, what the current state of play is in Congress with this sort of access legislation. There are bills that the House and Senate may consider, we think will come up uh, shortly. Talk a little bit about the general thrust of of those efforts. Well, unfortunately, the Congress is deliberating right now, and the preliminary proposals that are coming out are likely to be a step backwards in terms of energy policy, uh, both in terms of increasing access for domestic resources that would help supplies for consumers and in proposals to tax tax the industry and to take away the incentives to be able to produce oil and gas in this country. Uh, The current form of the legislation is uh, a step backwards to the years of 25 years ago. Yeah, I mean, John, it's a simple question, but how do you square that? On one hand, this industry faces demands to uh, come up with more resources, that we need more oil and gas, but then you're faced with the sort of uh, impediments you just described. Well, unfortunately, it appears that petty politicking in Washington has gotten out of hand, that proposals that have thought about carefully uh, would not even be offered are moving forward through the Congress. We hope that Congress steps back and consciously looks at what are the impacts of these proposals, the negative impacts on consumers that can come out of these, and we hope that they adopt policies that will expand supplies, reduce demand, improve the infrastructure, and help consumers. But right now, the current policies are a step backwards from that. Lisa, let me ask you about a very bright spot that cropped up recently in this area, and that was a, a pretty big discovery out on the Gulf of Mexico. Uh, I believe it's it's an oil field called Jack, or at least that's the nickname that the company gave it, Jack. Can you tell us a little bit about that, that find and, and what the significance of it may be? The companies that uh, discovered that Chevron, Devon, Statoil are characterizing it as the biggest discovery in the U.S. in a generation. And, and actually, it's a major success story. John alluded a little bit a while ago to some um, legislation that um, really has spurred development in the deep water. And I think you can really point to the um, passing of the Deepwater Royalty Relief Act back in the 90s as a trigger for this kind of um, technological development 
developing in deep water. This latest find was in 7,000 feet of water and 20,000 feet beneath the sea floor. Very few wells have been drilled that deep um, elsewhere. So this is not only a technological find, but it also points to a policy that the government's passed that really does work. Yeah, it's a pretty big technological achievement, and the company may not have been willing to take those chances without the economic incentive. Sure, exactly. Now, John, if Jack proves to be what it is, or even, you know, three-quarters of what it might turn out to be, give me a sense of what impact that might have on, on our economy, on our production situation here in the States. Well, producing more oil domestically will do a number of things. It'll expand the number of jobs uh, attributed to that, both directly and indirectly. It'll increase tax revenues. It'll increase supplies for consumers, reduce imports, improve our trade deficit. All around, it's a significant winner. Um, as we mentioned, there are studies that indicate that uh, the act that Lisa cited uh, could generate hundreds of thousands of jobs and billions of dollars of tax revenue. So it's a wonderful example of perhaps one of the best energy policies that's been introduced. Lisa, let's talk for a minute about the future, maybe. Uh, you're our upstream expert, and for those of our listeners who don't know, that essentially refers to our part of the oil and gas industry from uh, going out and looking and exploring and, and discovering resources all the way to, to the refinery. What about the technology, the latest technology that's out there? We talked about it being used for this jack discovery, but with increased awareness and breakthroughs and so forth, can we produce more energy for the consumer here in this country based on some of these breakthroughs? Yeah, I, I think, you know, take a look at, um, for instance, take a look at the computer on your desk. You know, maybe five or ten years ago, that computer was just really big and, and just kind of didn't do as much as you really wanted to do. Well, you know, look at it now, today. You can do something quicker, smarter, faster with something smaller. And it, the same goes for the industry. The industry really has changed and evolved, and I think that you're going to see some exciting things coming out of the industry as they go deeper and deeper. You know, the innovation is going to increase, and you're going to see some technological challenges really being overcome. All right, John, just to wrap up then, it seems like our main points are that there are resources out there domestically. Uh, we have the technology to exploit them, but we would prefer Congress not to put many hurdles or barriers in the way of that to bring those resources to the consumer and improve our own energy security. That's absolutely right. A recent study by the National Petroleum Council indicates that we're going to need all forms of energy. We're going to need more oil. We're going to need more natural gas. We're going to need more coal. We're going to need renewables and other alternative energy sources, and we're going to need improved energy efficiency. That study indicated we'll need everything to be able to meet the needs of a growing economy, of a growing population, and to meet uh, our economic for future. Uh, we would implore Congress to take a look at that study, to realize what appropriate policy is, and to not introduce legislation that is a step backward. All right, we're out of time for today, but this has been a very useful conversation about access to domestic oil and natural gas reserves that we have here in the United States. My guests have been API Chief Economist John Felmy and API's Upstream Coordinator Lisa Flavin. Thank you both very much for joining us today. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on Energy Tomorrow Radio, brought to you by the people of America's oil and natural gas industry. For more information about this podcast or to submit questions for future shows, visit energytomorrow.org. That's energytomorrow.org.